want to say that it is good to be with you this morning. We're glad that you're here to worship God with us. Appreciate the opportunity of being able to be with you. The congregation at Gunner sends their greetings to you. Uh, it's good to see Brother Mike here. I understand that he's uh, had his second round, which I think makes him a frequent flyer. And I actually, uh, I thought when it come to that thing, it was just one per customer, but apparently, apparently it's not that way. But it's good to be with you, and hopefully we have something to say that, uh, that you'll be able to use as you go along life's way. One of the things that, that I got to thinking about recently was John the Baptist. And not particularly just John the Baptist and his going about the regions baptizing and people coming to him in, in just droves. But how did he get people to do that? How did he convince people to go and to get into the water the way that he did? Up until John, baptism for the masses had never really been preached that way. So this guy comes out of the desert, he's wearing camel hair for his clothes, which means it's probably not the latest fashion. He's eating grasshoppers and wild honey, and he convinces all these people around, the, around Judea and the region around Jordan to come and repent and be baptized. And how did he do that? And why would they listen to this guy? There had been lots of prophets that come through Israel at that time. How did he do it? And was this the first time they ever heard anything like that? And you know, people like new stuff sometimes. So maybe, maybe this was just the first time that had ever been done. I got to looking at Hebrews 10 and 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The law is a shadow of things to come. The things that we do in the New Testament were taught, many of them, in the Old Testament. There was, I read a book by a fellow that he was, he was an atheist, and he said one of the complaints that he had about Jesus was that Jesus borrowed a lot of the New Testament teachings that we have about communion, baptism, and things like that, that he borrowed it from the Old Testament. Well, it would worry me a lot more if the law is a shadow of things to come. It would worry me a lot more if he had a completely different idea and nothing was alike. In Galatians chapter 3, it says the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. That is what taught them how to do the things that, that they were doing in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, it talks about those things that happened to the people in the Old Testament as being an example for me and you. So we can go back to the Old Testament and we can take a look at the scriptures in the Old Testament and we ought to be seeing things that are revealed in the New that are similar. And I got to thinking, what about water? What about this water thing? And there's lots of controversy on exactly where baptism stands in people's religious mind and their religious view. And you can go to different churches around and you'll find different theories on this particular teaching. And there are even some that probably don't practice it at all. What did they do in the scriptures? How did this work? If you go back to Exodus chapter 29 verses 4 to 5, it says there that Aaron's sons shall wash themselves before they put on the new garments. Exodus chapter 29, 4 and 5, Aaron and his sons were the priests. And before they could put on those priestly garments, they had to wash with water. Was water important? Would God actually condemn them if they didn't do that? 
Now, we all agree, and, when, and I think most of Christendom does, and I use the term broadly, that if you don't put on Christ, you don't have salvation. So before they were able to put on those new garments, they had to wash with water. And so when they washed with the water, then they put on those new garments. That's exactly what Galatians 3 teaches about baptism. When we're baptized, we put on Christ. Because you know why? You become a priest before God, according to the scriptures. But you must wash first. And water was very important in, in Exodus 29. In Exodus 30, he's 18 to 21, he's even more pointed. He said they will, do, they will wash themselves so that they will not die. Now we all understand, and most preachers around the community understand, the God of the Old Testament could be very harsh. Are you telling me that if they didn't wash with water before they put those garments on, they were going to die? Read what the scriptures say. God could be very harsh back then. He meant what he said and said what he meant. But somehow we come to the New Testament when God says something, it's just an option for us. It's something we can decide to do if we want to or not. They had no choice but to wash with that water, and the scriptures plainly say, or they will die. Now, folks, that's serious. Now, let me ask you a question. What was holy about the water? Was this holy water? Was there something special about H2O over there as opposed to H2O over here? The power was not in the water. The power has never been in the water. The power is in the obedience to the commandment of God. That's where the power is. And he chose the water to show that. In Numbers 8 and 7, it said they had to wash and be cleansed before offering sacrifices. Do you realize this morning you're offering spiritual sacrifices to your God now? The praying, the singing, the communing, the studying of his word, all these things are offering praise to our God, offering spiritual sacrifices to it. But before they could do that and be accepted of God, they had to wash. Before you can offer your priestly sacrifices, you must wash. And water is part of God's plan. In Numbers 19, 7 to 9, it talks about them being purified before they offer the sacrifice. That was the washing with water, folks. What if they didn't do it? What if they, somebody decided, okay, I just don't think this water thing's important. Now, they even had a better excuse than me and you do. They're traveling through a desert. I mean, you know, they're, they're, it's, there's not much water out there. Well, we'll just catch it next time. It doesn't work that way. They built a laver that held water so they could wash and then offer those sacrifices to God. And it was important to God how they did it and the order they did it in. Jesus Christ the same today, yesterday, and forever. You think it's still important to God how we do it? The order we do it in? The reason why we do what we do? Or do you think God just changed all of a sudden? They were in a desert place. Great excuse if you ask me. Or at least let's amend it a little bit and maybe we don't have to wash everything. Maybe it even talked about washing their clothes. 
God was serious when he gave them these commands. Now in Leviticus 17, 15 to 16, it gets interesting. It said they will wash after offering a sacrifice of a heifer. And if they don't, they will bear their iniquity, their sin. You're telling me they had to wash to have sin taken away? That's what the Bible says in the book of Leviticus. God meant what he said and says what he means. They had to do it the way God told them to do it. In 2 Kings chapter 5, y'all are familiar with this story, the story of Naaman the leper. And how that Naaman was a mighty man of honor and, and valor and captain of the host of the king of Syria, but he was a leper. He had a disease that was going to kill him. You would think that anybody that had a disease like that, that if they got a chance to be cleansed, they would run and jump on that opportunity. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you do that? I hear of people getting a cancer and they hear about a treatment in a far off place. And maybe it's even a little odd type of a treatment. But they load up and they go and they do the treatment because they want to be cured of a very deadly disease. Leprosy was that way. And it didn't matter that he was captain of the host of the king of Syria and a mighty man in valor. He was a leper. And he was headed to a leper colony and an outcast of society if he didn't get this fixed. We had a servant girl and said, there's a prophet in Israel that can cleanse you of this. Now he loaded up. He did what a lot of us would do. He loaded up. He had his caravans. And he headed to Israel. He's going to find that prophet that could heal him. Now the prophet did not even come out and talk to the man. Now here's your first insult. He sent a servant out to talk to him. It would be like one of the big heads of state somewhere coming and landing in Washington, D.C., and the president doesn't go out there, but he sends Marlin to meet him. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with Marlin, but that's an insult. Heads of state meet heads of state. Important people meet important people, don't they? He sends a servant out, and he said, here's what the saying of the man of God is. Go to the Jordan River, dip seven times, and you'll be okay. Now, this is very famous scripture. Naaman said, Behold, I thought. You see, we outthink God, don't we? I didn't think this was going to be important. I didn't think the order I did things in, doing it the way God told me to do it, I didn't think it was going to be important. Behold, I thought that he would come out, place his hand over, recover the leper. Are not the rivers of Damascus, Abana, and Farpar better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? Here's the kick in the head. I come all the way down here, and I've got better water than this at home. Why am I doing this? And the Bible says he turned and went away in a rage. But let me tell you what that rage did for him, folks. And let me tell you what the arguing with God did for him. He was still a leper. He still had that deadly disease. Now he must have been well thought of because his servants came to him and said, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, would thou not have done it? Why not just go wash and be clean? Then the scriptures say this, so he went down to the river Jordan, dipped himself seven times, 
and his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child. Water? Does God have to have water to purify and cleanse? No. God doesn't have to have anything. But what did God say? He said, go dip seven times. Now, was the power in the River Jordan? Because I don't want everybody packing up and flying to the River Jordan. Is there something special about that water? That river's flowing, so I'm sure the water Naaman got in's already passed by a few times, probably. The power was in obedience to the commandment of Almighty God, folks. And God used water in purification. And he did it from the very beginning. In Mark chapter 1, and verse number 4, I want to share this with you. John did baptize in the wilderness, and this is where we started, and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Did you catch that? John preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, I've had brethren argue with me about that and say, I just don't believe it was for the remission of sins. Now, when you get to Acts 19, Paul calls it a baptism of repentance. He leaves that last part off. But in Mark 1 and 4, it says that it is for the remission of sins. And so I have everybody turn to the book of Luke, chapter 3 and verse 3. And it says the same thing. And I've had brethren tell me, go, well, if it's in there twice, it must be true. Think that one through. God's got to say it twice to you? When I had my heart surgery, I was, they make you walk. And we had this little girl. She's about that big around and about that tall. She come put this green belt on me so I could walk down, up and down the hall. And I'm going, please, Lord, don't let me fall. Because <laughs> there's no way this kid can catch me. There is no way. I, I mean, even after all the weight I'd lost, I outweighed her 100 pounds. I guarantee it. So we're walking. She goes, are you retired or do you still work? And I made the statement, I'm still working. And then I made this statement. I figured God will tell me when it's time to retire. And she looked funny, and I thought, huh. And she goes, exactly what's he got to say to you? <laughs> and you know, sometimes that's where we're at, folks. God got to say it twice. He's got to tell me that John's baptism was for the remission of sins twice before I'm going to believe it. When are we going to start listening to God and quit listening to men? That was their problem in Matthew chapter 15. They obeyed for doctrine the commandments of men. They were listening to the preacher instead of listening to what God said. There's a sermon in that, by the way, on listening to God on that, what that little girl said to me. And by the way, when she said that, I had nothing. <laughs> I mean, how do you come back with that? What's God got to say to you to let you know that he's used water in purification from the very beginning? Well, how much he got to tell us, folks? Now, here's the point about John's baptism. Were these people being baptized because they were already saved? The Messiah hadn't died yet. You see, the scriptures tell us in Hebrews 9 that his blood went backwards and forwards. They were being baptized for the remission of their sins looking forward to the death of the Messiah. You and I are baptized looking back on the death of the Messiah. They weren't baptized because they were all okay. They repented and were baptized because they were looking for the Messiah that would take away the sins of the world. Here's the point. When you study baptism in the New Testament, it didn't start at Mark 16. 
I want you to know that. We think that it started at the Great Commission. And the baptism of the Lord for the church that they were going to use, it did start at the Great Commission. But the baptism had been being preached since the days of John. You know the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples made more disciples, baptized more disciples than John did? And then it says this, Jesus himself didn't baptize them, but his disciples did. Jesus baptized people the same as John did for the remission of sins. When are we going to listen to the Lord? Now, I can understand why Jesus himself didn't baptize somebody. Would you listen to me more? Would I carry more weight with you if I got up here and said, hey, the guy that baptized me was Jesus? And you're going to go, yeah, I'm going to listen to what this guy got to say. I still think it'd be pretty cool to say it's Peter that baptized me. I think that'd still be pretty cool. When are we going to listen to God, folks? Baptism has always been for the remission of sins. I've been asked, Marlon, does the Bible say that if you're not baptized, you'll be lost? If you look at Luke chapter 7, verse 29 and 30, I think he's clear about that. He says, the people justified God being baptized of him, that is of, of, that is of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, not being baptized of him. How did they reject the counsel of God? By refusing baptism. You see, God's used water in purification, folks. And he's done it since the days of Moses. This was not the first time they heard that. They were used to water being used to make one clean, to purify, else you would die. They knew all this stuff. And that's why when the man come with the camel hair and the grasshoppers and the honey, that's why they listen to him. Because God has always used water in purification. And the scriptures tell us that if you want to reject the counsel of God against yourself, just reject the water. That's exactly what would have happened in the Old Testament as well. In Acts chapter 2, you're going to get down to verse 37 and 38. They had just been told that you remember this guy that came and did all those wonderful works and miracles and things? Yeah, we remember him. Well, he was the son of the living God. He was the Messiah that was promised. And guess what, boys? You killed him. You know, see, it bothered some of them. It, it, it pricked their heart. It bothered their conscience. Now, what if you woke up one day and you realized, I just put to death the son of the living God? Literally. This is not figurative. They hung him on a cross. They killed him. What would you do when you come to that realization? Now, without the preaching of Peter and the apostles, I'd figure, we're done, boys. It's over. We ain't got a chance. When they heard this in Acts 2.37, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What can we do to get out of this mess? What does God want us to do, Peter? And he said this in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Baptism never been for anything but the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now you get down to verse 41. They that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there added unto them about 3,000 souls. 
what would you do? Would we argue with him? Would we say, I don't see the point of getting in the water. I just don't see that point at all. But you see, they already knew about water and purification. It wasn't new to them. And they understood the commandment of God. And they understood the seriousness of God, do we? And 3,000 of them obeyed that day. In Galatians 3, 26, 27, it tells us that those of us that were baptized have put on Christ. Now, we all agree you've got to put on Christ to be saved. You do it when the, you use the water for purification. That's when you put on Christ. What if I don't want to do that? Then you don't put on Christ. It's just that simple, folks. Now, is there something special about that water? Maybe the water in Denton's better than the water in Gunner. It may be, as far as drinking water goes. <laughs> There's nothing special about that water. It's just water. You're going to go home tonight, take a shower, take a bath, whatever. That's just water. The, command, the power is in the commandment of Almighty God and in our obedience to Almighty God. Bev and I were studying this years ago, and in 1 Peter 3, 21, I asked her, I said, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. I want you to read a verse of scripture to me and don't ad lib. Them church Christ girls, they could ad lib. I want you to know that. I said, just read me one verse that comes out and says it saves you and I'll do it. I didn't know this was in there. 1 Peter 3, 21, because I mean she grabbed that Bible and went to turn and I knew I was in real trouble. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It saves you. I said, well, it's a, it's a figure. Okay, it's a figure. But it says it saves you. What are you going to do? And the figure was like Noah. Noah was in a world full of sin. He passed through that flood to a world free of sin. We're in a world of sin. We pass through the waters of baptism to a world free of sin. Because God has always used water in purification, folks. And the law was a shadow of things to come. And that's why it's important. Because God said it. Now in Hebrews chapter 10, we started over here this morning. In Hebrews chapter 10, I think it's pretty plain here what the writer has in mind for us. In Hebrews 10, verse 20, the scriptures say this, By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. You see all these Old Testament analogies? Because the law is a shadow of things to come. That's why he's using these Old Testament analogies. And then he said this, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Is water important? I'm telling you, water was as important in the book of Hebrews as it was in the book of Exodus. And if you determine that the priests in the book of Exodus had to wash to be purified, then you've got to come to the same conclusion in the book of Hebrews. 
When you go to the book of Numbers and 2 Kings and you talk about water being used in purification, if you come to the conclusion that God demanded that in the Old Testament, then when you come to Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, you have to conclude God's still using water for purification. Folks, God's always done this. It wasn't new. Now, after the death of Jesus, we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the remission of our sins. And it doth also now save us. If you're here this morning and you haven't been washed with the pure water, the power's in the commandment of God. You need to do that today. If you're here this morning and the church can pray with you, we want to do that as well. So if you're here this morning, we can help you come as we stand and sing.